Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. And you can take control of the airwaves here. The toll-free number tonight is 855-450-FREE. You can bring up anything that you want. That is the point here of the program, and welcome to it. Uh, You can join us on our Discord server as well, where we have the Discord call-in line rooms. That means you'll sound way better than you would if you called in on just the regular old phone. Uh, so would definitely prefer if you can use the Discord lines. And please get on over to discord.lrn.fm. I know that Johnson is on his way in here. We also are joined by a special guest here tonight uh, with uh, not your first time on Free Talk Live. Welcome, Etienne. Uh, thank you very much. I'm going to try the whole the whole name here. Etienne de la Boissy. Squared. Squared. Uh, can you give our listeners a history on that name? Yeah, so the original Etienne de la Boissy was a French political philosopher. He wrote in the 16th century, and he was really the first to expose the tools and the techniques that rulers use to engender uh, not just obedience, but fealty and adoration. Mm. He was a little bit like Machiavelli, but Machiavelli was like, hire me, and I'll show you how to run these slaves. And Boissy was kind of blowing the whistle and saying, hey, this is a program, This is they're using these techniques, they're unethically manipulative. And, uh, and so I'm uh, trying to continue his work, and I use the square to you know, denote the fact I'm not the, the, original. Not the original. And also, uh, if you put uh, Boise yeah, squared number two into, the, into a search engine, it will differentiate me instead of being lost in with the original right. Boise stuff. And how long ago was the original around when? Uh, he wrote around 1530s, oh, so wow. he died. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's funny. So if you take a look at his writings, uh, it's almost like he was writing today because they're still using same this old exact scam. same <laughs> techniques, techniques. He also said that you know men are not so much enslaved as they enslave themselves. Sure. And then as soon as they become enslaved, they really promptly forget about liberty and freedom uh, and, you know, almost has to be roused to, you know, to uh, do it. And he said that there are, there are always a few who will not bow. Mm. And uh, and I dedicate my book to those few that, you know, see through the propaganda and uh, and, are, and are trying to warn the population and, and, and do something about it. Because I think the difference between being enslaved and being a slave is are you resisting? And I, I got to say that a lot of these people who do see through the propaganda and who get it uh, are moving here to New Hampshire. And you've done that, too, recently. I am. I'm a, I'm a new mover to New Hampshire. Absolutely. So congratulations. Thank you, man. I like it here. And everybody's been super cool. It's been Well, really it's not amazing. wintertime yet. Yes. yes <laughs> you came so. from the south, right? Uh, I did. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a, uh, a native Texan that's been living in northern Virginia outside of the belly okay. of the beast. Well, northern Virginia can get a little bit of snow, right? Oh, yeah. We like get blizzards. Oh, yeah. We get blizzards. So, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> What's the highest uh, that you've seen snow pile up in northern Virginia? I've seen three, Virginia? three feet. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And All I right. see it. You see it every three or four years. Okay. So, it's, it's regular. See, I only lived in the, the real south. I lived in Florida 
for ah, that's 20, where I'm headed next. 26 years of my life. That's and where I'm headed it's, next. It's very different here. I, I love it. I'm so glad to be here in New Hampshire where we've got more liberty-minded people here than you know anywhere else, I think, like concentration-wise in the entire world. Oh, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes such a big difference uh, when you can actually hang out with people who agree with you and who understand uh, what freedom really means. And not only just the people that have migrated here to New Hampshire, but a lot of the natives, too. I mean, there's a reason why it's called the live free or die state, mm-hmm. uh, because the native population here, many of them, not all of them, but but many of them, they still like, I mean, they may, they may not have like all the details ironed out, but at a like a very visceral or gut you know level, they understand what it means to be free and they don't like the government telling them what to do and i just run into more and more of these new hampshire natives it's just like reinforces the fact that yes this was the right place to to choose that this is the right place um just got back actually uh, we arrived here at the studio at about the same time tonight you're in this huge 36 foot uh rv i just pulled in uh having returned from a polling location today uh, where one of our co-hosts, who used to be known as Rich Paul, is now called Nobody. He legally changed his name. I know Nobody. Probate court, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and he filed for uh, for mayor here in Keene. So for the first time, the people of this area have the ability to actually vote for Nobody on the primary ballot. Now, we're not expecting that he's going to make it through the primary. It's a three-candidate primary, and only the top two vote-getters are going to make it through to the general election. Anything could happen, but given that it's a municipal primary, you got to be kind of realistic. It's usually, you know, like the hardcore politicos that come out, the people that, you know, they already know who the candidates are. At a municipal primary, you're not likely to get sort of the clueless voter Mm -hmm. who doesn't really know who's on the ballot. You probably are getting the people who are already supporters of one or the other two main candidates. You know who else you get? You get whoever the incumbents toadies are. The t- their toadies. Me. Yeah, exactly. All their fanatics. <laughs> well, not just the fanatics, yeah. but the office holders. Right. And so, I, I, you know, I, that, I know that that's the case. I know that that's the case in, you know, kind of bigger cities. I don't know the extent of what they have a civil service where they're able to award jobs and patronage and things like that. But there's I not notice- a whole lot of that in a smaller town, but obviously it still goes on to some extent. Right, yeah. right. So just uh, Johnson joining us here in the studio. Welcome uh, back or welcome to it. We're, <laughs> we were just talking about the Keene uh, municipal primary that ah, yes. is uh, is going on as well, not as we speak. It just the polls just closed 12 minutes ago, but we should get some results later on here tonight. I figure if he can do better than one or two percent, he's still doing better than most libertarians <laughs> uh, pretty much anywhere in the country. And and just today, the story finally this morning finally hit uh, mainstream media. So the Boston Globe picked up the Nobody for Mayor campaign story. And then, of course, once one major mainstream press organization picks up a story, then it's almost inevitable, especially if it's one with a kind of viral potential like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody runs for mayor. That's a great headline, right? Oh, yeah. So clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, already uh, WBZ, which is a news station in Boston, picked it up. And that's a clear channel or what was clear channel now known as iHeartMedia. And so KFI, which is their massive station in Los Angeles, uh, they ran a story. 
Uh, now I don't know if they ran it on the on the on the air. It, it's appearing on their website, so it may just be web only. But either way, it's nice to see it kind of spreading out from there. New York Post uh, picked it up, so it's always nice to see a little bit of uh, of attention given to the th- the things that we do here in this tiny little town, uh, this miniature city of of Keene, New Hampshire. So uh, we'll, of course, take your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number here tonight is 855-450-FREE. Speaking of uh, city politics, ridiculous politics, there's an update in the Statesville, North Carolina uh, conflict over the gigantic American flag. I don't think you were on the show, Johnson, when we covered this originally, no. uh, but the... Statesville, North Carolina City Council has been in a fight with an RV park owner. Hmm. And I guess this RV owner like owns a ton of I know RV. there's one of those flags on the way driving to Nashua. There's yes. a place that has one of those huge flags. I don't know if it's the same chain of no. uh, of RV parks. Or not parks. Parks not the right word. Dealers. RV dealers. These, right. these guys will sell you an RV. And you're driving an RV. I don't know if it came from uh, this place, Etienne, but... Uh, the, these guys have like this is like the top dealer for RVs in the United States. They're huge. They've got like 200 dealerships, and they're sort of known for having these massive American flags flying. Now, look, I don't get any excitement over seeing an American flag flying. I get right? sadness. <laughs> it just means somebody's been chumped by this artificial religion of statism. And well, you're going to be the dis- bigger the flag, the harder they've been chumped. Yeah, you're going to be disgusted by this this story, right? Because not only do you have the fact that this guy is a huge flag waver, but you also have you know it's hard to really know who's the most despicable character in this in this story because you know this guy's trying to run a business. He's pandering to you know the American flag waving public, and the city council is saying your flag's too big you can't be having a flag that big here in statesville well there's been a resolution to this uh, particular story so i'll give you some more of the backstory what what happened originally so i wonder what that like you can't have a flag that big i mean where does that lie on the free speech scale here we'll get into it coming up here in moments <laughs> the toll-free number is 855-450-FREE like It's Free Talk Live. You're invited to join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. That's 855-450-3733. We've got the Discord call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. And, of course, you're welcome to join us here and bring up whatever happens to be on your mind. Free Talk Live is brought to you by local.bitcoin.com. That is where you can go to buy or sell Bitcoin Cash with dozens of payment methods. And you can do it globally. This is finally a trading platform that actually respects your privacy, meaning that there's actually no identification requirements in order to sign up for the site. And that really sets local.bitcoin.com apart from their competition. Their competitors want to know who you are. Where you're from, they want to see your ID. Local.bitcoin.com doesn't require any of that, and that's because they don't have custody of your funds at any point. All of the trading goes on through what they call smart contracts on the Bitcoin Cash blockchain. So go and learn more and get started at local.bitcoin.com. And also, um, an additional privacy measure is that the communications between buyers and sellers there on the site are encrypted so uh, nobody gets to read the conversation between you and your buyer and or seller unless you want to bring a third party in let's say you you know something goes wrong you got a dispute 
Uh, you need to bring an administrator. Well, you can give that person permission to read, but you get to decide uh, who gets to read the conversation because you got encryption there. Very cool stuff. Go to local.bitcoin.com. If you're new to Bitcoin, just go to bitcoin.com. Get started there. They got a cool introduction course that you can go through that's totally free for you. All right. So uh, in our studio tonight, I'm Ian. I'm Johnson. I'm Etienne de la Bouissy. Squared. Etienne, uh, where can people go to, I guess at this point, pre-order the next run of your book? Because you said you sold out of uh, of the last one. We did. So I was just a speaker at Narcadelphia. Where it was right the on. Best I heard selling. it was great, by the way. That was amazing. Yeah. And the thing I was most excited about is you know these liberty events it's a, it was a first year event it had mm-hmm. almost as many folks as at the first in Arcapulco and they're, wow. they're popping up everywhere and so i really think that volunteerism is the fastest growing uh you know political movement quote, I hope quote, you're unquote, right. political yeah. movement in the united states so the website oh uh, under if you want to understand our slavery you have to go to understanding i have uh, two editions of the book and i think they're they're fantastic they're like a wonderful coffee table i think kind of book to get conversations started with people well you know the part of the reason is i use all the visualizations right. i use the Lots historical of images right. and so most people are visual learners and uh, it it impro- it's been designed to be effective with visual learners mm-hmm. because my ultimate goal is widespread distribution to expose how intergenerational organized crime runs the government and the media. And if you want to, if you want anybody to engage with a book, uh, you know. Uh, number one, if you make it kind of like a picture book, you expand the number of people that will engage with any book from kind of yeah, 10, 15 percent to, uh, you know, 30, 30 40 yeah. plus. And so that's it's it's fascinating and interesting kind of by design. Yeah, you can tell a lot of thought went into it. Uh, so, again, understanding our slavery dot com for more from Etienne. But let's get into this story here about Statesville. North Carolina, where actually we used to be on the air, mm-hmm. but it was one of the few radio stations that's actually taken us off the air over the years. Yeah. We haven't had, you know, we, we lose stations usually because they, they uh, you know, change formats or something, right? Like they don't specifically target Free Talk Live to remove us. It's like the, the format didn't work, so they've you know flipped to music or something like that. Um, so we've lost our share of stations. We do t- continue to grow. We now actually have over 200 radio stations that carry the show over a week's time. They're not all on right now, uh, but over one week, it's it's over 200. And so Statesville was one of the few stations, uh, WSIC there, that actually cut us off because uh, I feel like I'd have to pull up the uh, the exact reason, but somebody was offended. I think it was like their general manager. You just need to find uh, if there's a Freedomsville, North Carolina. Get on there. (laughs) There might be. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. Freedomsville is not Statesville because this place is one of the biggest. I mean, it's called Statesville. I mean, it's got to be a very uh, state-oriented place. And in this case, they're in a fight with the owner of Gander RV parent company Camping World concerning a gigantic American flag uh, that flies over an RV dealership there in town. This has been going on. We talked about it earlier this summer on Free Talk Live, where it's just a uh, just a knockdown, drag out political fight between these these people, and they finally have come to an agreement in a closed session, according to the record landmark uh, at Statesville.com. This is a local newspaper in the area, and announced by and this is an amazing name for uh, for a mayor, Costi Cutta, C O S T I Costi. K U T T E H. 
it almost sounds like cost cutter, right? Like, well, that's a horrible <laughs> name for a mayor because I don't know any mayors that are interested yeah. in cutting costs. Well, that's just it. This person is obviously not interested <laughs> in that either. Uh, but uh, the discussions have been in the works for months. What they came to agree is that Camping World will pay fourteen thousand dollars, three hundred fourteen thousand three hundred fifty dollars in fines to the city, and about two thousand dollars in court fees, according to Cutta. The company will then apply for the ordinance for the flag size to be expanded in its zoning district. The council has agreed to approve the new ordinance. So they're literally allowing this guy to buy his new ordinance. Mm -hmm. He's going to pay them over $10,000 and they're going to write a new ordinance to grandfather in or to expand the mass, you know, this, whatever the ordinance says as far as the maximum size of the flag. But to go back a little bit, because I don't think wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. I, you know, because I think statism is a religion. Yeah. And this smells a lot like the selling of indulgences. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. And both sides in this, neither of these sides are actually freedom fighters. None of these people are oriented towards freedom. If you just glanced at the story before, before, and both of you are new to it, and I'm sure mm-hmm. many of our audience are as well, but if you just looked at the story at a glance, you'd think, oh, well, that RV park guy should be able to you know, fly whatever flag that he wants, and, I, and he should. It's his RV park. If he wants to fly a humongous flag over it, he should be able to. But if that was where the story ended, then yeah, the RV guy would be the victim uh, in this case. But he is so steeped in his belief in the state, he's almost as bad as the city council. <laughs> Um, and I wish that I had the original story here to read some of the quotes from this guy, but he, he wasn't telling the city council, screw your ordinance, I'm going to fly whatever size flag I want, you know, screw you, whatever you want, I don't care. He was basically saying, he said, I will pay whatever it costs. So he was more than willing to pay whatever fines the city came up with. He wanted to fight them over this, but part of his idea about the fight would be to completely obey the system. Even though he was trying to challenge the system, he was at the same time completely obedient to it by speaking uh, you know, publicly and just embracing whatever. He just said, bring whatever fines you want. I'll pay them because he's that wealthy. The dude owns 200 <laughs> RV parks. I mean, think about the, the money that, uh, that this guy has. What's your typical RV cost? Two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars. So this guy has enough money to where five thousand dollar a day fines weren't weren't going to phase him. And uh, at this point, they've come to an agreement: fourteen thousand three hundred fifty dollars in fines, and he gets to keep his flag, the uh, forty by eighty foot flag. Toll free number eight fifty five four fifty free. If you want to join us here, coming up, should the libertarians. Get rid of the non-aggression principle. Johnson's got that. Do you have a crypto wealth advisor or coach? If so, has your cryptocurrency advisor been investing in technology stocks for over 20 years? Have they left the corporate world and retired? Or are they still trying to make a weekly paycheck? Have they produced six-figure results for their customers in the past 30 days? And very importantly, are they a member of the Digital Currency Council? Seth Maniscalco is the founder of Crypto Wealth Coach and CryptoWealthCoach.com. Seth invested in his first Roth IRA at 19 years old while living abroad 
abroad and has been investing in Wall Street and technology for over 20 years with experience in all the money markets. By comparison, so many of these so-called crypto gurus have barely been alive for 20 years. Seth has not only experienced personal success from his own investments in crypto, he has also helped his clients earn six and seven figure incomes, including helping investors make over three quarters of a million dollars in EOS in 90 days and 1,225% in only five and a half months with Chainlink. Seth has helped for the small do-it-yourself guy on Up to Crypto Whales. Increase your wealth. Visit CryptoWealthCoach.com. Hey, it's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. That's 855-450-3733. You can take control of the airwaves, and you can bring up whatever you want. And you know what? You know, If you want to wave a flag, wave whatever flag that you want. I think you should have that freedom, and it should be able to be as big as you want it to be, as long as it's your property. You know, If it's your flag on your property then really it's nobody else's business. But the city of Statesville, North Carolina, thinks it is their business. Oh, sorry, Johnson. Let me turn your mic on. That would help. Some folks were born made to wave the flag. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, And so the owner of RV World there in Statesville, he has uh, agreed to pay $14,000 to the Statesville City Council, and they have agreed in reciprocal to expand the flag ordinance to allow him to legally have a gigantic flag. So there's no freedom here. If it may please the crown. Indeed. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. It was just him um, coming to you know to negotiate with these bureaucrats, with these politicians. They've got men with guns who are willing to use them in order to enforce their will. But they didn't have to because he was willing to just do what they said to some extent. I mean, he had a bunch of money, so they knew they could get some money out of him. And he managed to get what he wanted out of them. And nobody got more freedom because if you want to have a flag in Statesville, you still have to beg for permission. And, I mean, if people can't just see on its face how sick that is that you have to ask somebody else's permission to do what it is that you want to do with what you think is your own property, which, of course, we all know it's it's not. You know, As long as you're paying property tax, that's pretty much proof that you don't own it. Uh, there's a reason they don't t- teach uh, ethics or morality or logic in the mandatory government school system. I had, there was a course called ethics. I think I don't know if they taught any decent you know information yeah. in in that that course, but they had one titled ethics. Did you take it? I don't remember. It's been so long. <laughs> I think it was in college, uh, but that was also a government college, so it was like a community yep. college. So if you want to join us, you are welcome to do that. Uh, We're going to get into, Johnson, you had an interesting sounding story here tonight uh, about the non-aggression principle. Now, this is the sort of bedrock principle that is the foundation of Mm -hmm. essentially all of libertarianism. The idea being that if you use violence, aggressive violence, that that's not okay. That In order to do things in life, you should be using persuasion rather than the threat of force, that you should persuade your neighbors to buy the thing you want them to buy or support the cause that uh, you think that they should support, that the use of the threat of violence is inappropriate. It's not neighborly. It's not good. It's not something that we should do to one another. And for the most part, people don't. For the most part, people in their day-to-day life abide by this, this principle, meaning that 
the average neighbor does not go and put a gun in his neighbor's face and says, mow your lawn. Right. Uh, the, the average you know person in a business is not threatening uh, their competitors with violence in order to get them to go out of business. They just have to outcompete them. They just have to provide a better product and a better service. But, so I've noticed, you know, I've noticed online too, particularly, it seems like there has been this growing, uh, I guess, contingent of uh, libertarian, or sorry, of uh, of Republicans who think it's cool to call themselves libertarians, who uh, have decided that they're going to like be part of the, the libertarian, the libertarian movement, I guess, and uh, question this non-aggression principle, and not only that. I mean, and, and and I guess there are also a lot of those people, those same people who are are part of the alt right, right? So, like, if there's a Venn mm-hmm. diagram of libertarianism, this these these fake libertarians who are like, the libertarians are, you know, one thing about libertarians is there's a purity test, and you know, everyone's trying to talk down and say you're not libertarian enough, and it doesn't matter. Like, right? These are those those people. There's a mm-hmm. ton of these people, and uh, I, I've found that the the attacks on the non-aggression principle have become, you know, more and more frequent. So I, I liked this piece because I feel like it it put those attacks together in a really uh, cogent way to be disassembled okay one at a time so <laughs> so i figured this is a great great night you know it's good to have your atn as well so that uh we can just dismantle these stupid attacks okay good because i principle. don't even know what the attacks are so i'm coming You've heard them this. over and over I and mean, over again but maybe still so. so let's yeah. put them all together right. and just take them apart right so, uh, okay, so this article is from Matt Zwolinski, uh, and it's being written for uh, libertarian is, uh, libertarianism.org. Okay, so the guy writing this, is he in favor of getting rid of the non-aggression principle? Correct. Okay. And Got he it. considers himself a ardent libertarian who is against the non-aggression principle. Yeah, I mean, for most people, when if or for most libertarians, and there if, are a lot of libertarians that say this, like these, these are these like the uh, the liberty hangout type people. I've heard about this organization. This is more like a conservative leaning, yeah, group. Exactly. And there's yeah. a lot of smells like, these conf- of controlled opposition. Mm. Yeah. So there's and there's a lot of this controlled opposition that has been. Well, it right. seems they, like they've got a website growing. called libertarianism.org. I mean, well, yeah. I mean that's a that's a great URL. Yeah. But it doesn't sound particularly libertarian cuz look, and as we're going to get into in, in detail here, I imagine if you don't if you reject the non-aggression principle, I'm sorry, you don't qualify as a libertarian. You might have some libertarian views on things. <laughs> and in which case, I'll be happy to work with you. Like if you agree with libertarians on ending the war on drugs, but yet you still support going to war overseas, I will work with you to help end the war on drugs, mm-hmm. and I'll oppose you when it comes to going to, to war overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, these people don't understand what libertarianism is, or they do understand it, and as you suggest, Etienne, that it is a, a specific attempt to undermine it. I think, as we'll see, this is very very much a religious-type uh, argument, and I've heard these same, these same styles of arguments from some uh, people who uh, put Christianity over uh, freedom as well. I've heard th- those people make similar types of arguments in the past. So All right. let's continue on here. So uh, a stringent application of the non-aggression principle has morally unacceptable implications. Many libertarians believe that the whole of their political philosophy can be summed up in a single simple principle. This principle, the non-aggression principle or non-aggression axiom, hereafter we'll refer to this as the NAP, holds 
that aggression against the person or property of others is always wrong, where aggression is defined narrowly in the terms of the use or threat of physical violence. From this principle, many libertarians believe the rest of libertarianism can be deduced as a matter of mere logic. What is the proper libertarian stance on minimum wage laws? Aggression and therefore wrong. What about anti-discrimination laws? Aggression and therefore wrong. Public schools? Same answer. Public roads? Same answer. The libertarian armed with the NAP has little need for the close study of history, sociology, or empirical economics. That's what's great about it. <laughs> I can do a whole radio show without having to know anything about any of these issues. I don't need to know all the facts and statistics that people argue endlessly over because, of course, all these things can be manipulated based on you know how you ask the questions in the poll or whatever. All I need to know is... Are you threatening violence against me or my neighbors? In which case, no, it's not okay. Whatever it is you have planned, it's not okay. So it goes on to say, with a little logic and a lot of faith in this basic axiom of morality, virtually any political problem can be neatly solved from the armchair. On its face, the NAP's prohibition of aggression falls nicely in line with common sense. After all, who doesn't think that it's wrong to steal someone else's property, to club someone? Well, the government goons, they don't. They think it's okay. To club some innocent person over the head or to force others to labor for one's own private benefit. And if it's wrong for us to do these things as individuals, why should it be any less wrong for us to do it as a group, as a club, a gang, or a state? You know, to his credit, he at the very least does understand these arguments, right? Like, he he gets the other side. So, to finish this... Because it is wrong to do those things, no matter how many... Uh, people and and that's one of those things that you can use to explain to somebody that is still stuck within the status paradigm is like they they still think it's okay to vote and that that it's okay that you know, you know voting somehow makes all this fine. Right. It's like well if I get a bunch of my neighbors together and that we vote that we want to paint your house a different color or burn it to the ground does that make it okay? Yeah. No, it doesn't. No matter how many of my neighbors I manage to recruit in, even if it's ninety nine percent. Of everybody, and you're the one percent that says no. Leave me alone. Eight fifty five, four fifty free. We'll dig in further. Come- it is free talk live. You can take control of the airwaves here. The toll free number is eight fifty five, four fifty free. Like freedom. That's eight five five, four five zero three seven three three. We do have the Discord. On-air call-in line rooms, you can sound almost like you're sitting here in the studio with us. Just call in on Discord over at discord.lrn.fm. That is also our chat server. People are in there 24 hours a day. It's a little slower in the overnights, but there's usually people there. Go to discord.lrn.fm and you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there. Plus, there's the brand new cryptocurrency tipping bot that is in the server and I will give my disclaimer. We don't know who programmed this bot. It could be a gigantic exit scam, but it sure is fun to tip cryptocurrency to other people on the server. So if you know somebody is on the air that uh, you hear them say something you like, maybe uh, Johnson says something that you uh, appreciated, he's in there as Tempest Infernus. Uh, so you can just send him some crypto. Have you gotten some tips? Uh, I've gotten some from you. Okay. <laughs> I do just go in there and just kind of randomly hand out uh, tips. It's fun. You can do like random, choose, you know, like a random number of people. If anyone else has tipped me and I just haven't noticed, it's just because I'm not on Discord that much. So I don't want to discount. I see. If I have yeah, gotten tips from other people. Insulted, right? Yeah, I don't want to like, I hope I didn't insult anybody. I hope I haven't 
you know, I hope I'm right that I've only gotten this from you. But get on in there over at discord.lrn.fm. Now, you may have heard of Chrisanne Hall. She's a former Florida attorney and former prosecutor who was fired after teaching about the Constitution. Uh, even though she was ordered not to by her boss, state attorney Skip Jarvis, she didn't stop and instead stood up for freedom over a paycheck. And you can watch the replay of the webinar that we actually hosted with Chrisanne Hall for free at lfu.freetalklive.com. LFU stands for Liberty First University. That's lfu.freetalklive.com. Chrisanne is a disabled veteran of the U.S. Army, a Russian linguist, mother, and a patriot. And she now travels the country teaching the Constitution and the history that give us our founding documents. Now, Chrisanne Hall doesn't just teach the Constitution. She lays the foundations that show how reliable and relevant these founding documents are today. And she presents the genealogy of the Constitution, the 700-year history, and five foundational documents that are the very roots of American liberty. Her belief is you can't properly understand or interpret the constitution without a firm grasp of its very foundation if you can want you can go learn more about liberty first university and watch the free webinar on demand by going to lfu.freetalklive.com don't wait until it's too late to get this webinar for free you can watch it now at lfu.freetalklive.com so johnson you were sharing with us a story from a website claiming to be libertarianism.org this guy is about to get into the author of this story is about to get into reasons why he is going to say the non-aggression principle should be excised from the libertarian movement and i have heard this argument or arguments that this guy brings up lots of them in various different forms uh uh across you know a lot of different platforms and social media uh where uh people who are at least claiming to be interested in liberty and libertarianism uh, are making these arguments so i feel like there is definitely something to these at least in that people who are on that journey from, you know, libertarian anarchist, which everybody inevitably will get there. Um, it's probably not everybody. Some people turned around. Well, that's true. To- but, you know, they might eventually realize that the, uh, you know, the fallacy of their ways. I well, guess? some some people, uh, Christopher Cantwell comes to mind. Well, that's um, what's another, in my mind as well. <laughs> another one. And Amanda Bolden. She was a free stater who mm-hmm. moved here as a so-called anarchist. And then became a, a a socialist. So, and she's not. And these aren't the only ones. There are other right. examples of people who purportedly have come to embrace and understand the non-aggression principle, right. and then have completely rejected it. I remember uh, Will May. He was another mover here to the Keene area years he ago. Was never. Well, that's a joke. I mean, like he was never, uh, you know, even if he claimed to understand it, he cl- he never did. Well, so I, I, had to I was say, constantly that guy while he was claiming to be. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, no. you're not. You know, I, yeah, we had this conversation last night on the anarchist experience with Richie Rich. Great guy. Great uh, show. Absolutely great guy. Great show. And um, uh, I've never seen one. I've never met one in the wild. And he was one he, of the people who's changed. You that's, mean? that's changed. And that that. The the woman that you mentioned is mm-hmm. the only example that I've actually ever heard besides Chris Cantwell, and I think Chris Cantwell is a complete controlled opposition planet. <laughs> like if you, you've seen the Vice thing, like yeah. you know, I, we did a kind of like a little breakdown on how they did the Charlottesville. They had like a dozen different groups that you know they brought in some conservatives and some constitutionalists, some white separatists, and mm-hmm. then like a little handful of Nazis, and then they have a torchlight parade, and Vice just happens to be with the group of Nazis, which makes everybody look I like don't. Nazis. I, I deeply think that Chris, uh, that I still want to believe that from 
from all the conversations that I've had with him over time, I don't actually believe that he believes any of the racist stuff that he spouts. That's what he's using to make money with. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to out it. I don't care if it's, if it's blowing up because nobody's going to listen to this and you know figure it out properly anyway. Uh, so I don't mind blowing up what I feel like is his you know actual plan of what he's doing. But if you look at it from an anarcho-capitalist perspective of somebody who's trying to what was trying to make money, I think now it, it blew up. It failed. His, I think it blew up in his face. I think he thought it was going to work, and now. He's for stuck. a little while it did yeah now he's stuck there's no way to back out so he's just you know accepting whatever you know he can accept but mm. i feel like what he is doing and has brought to the forefront is actually kind of brilliant in terms of uh getting libertarians to wake up to uh the stomping on free speech that's going on online and cantwell has absolutely fleshed out in every possible way how someone uh can be silenced he's been deplatformed quite yeah, a bit he's been deplatformed and, and debanked I, and i feel like every single time he was he was literally he was just looking for that mm-hmm. specifically so that uh what he was actually doing was just pushing against the the boundaries to see where they are and um you know, point it out and kind of carve a pathway for everyone else to see really clearly like, hey, this platform is going to, if you do something that they don't like, regardless of whether or not there's consistency or whether or not there's, you know, what their rules say uh, is, is he's just, you know, it's going to, they're going to come down and change what they say for whatever reasons that they so choose. Well, Cantwell is one of the longest running. Uh, we've we've joked sort of off the air, and we talked about it on the air about how everybody who's new to New Hampshire, like you were, Etienne, uh, this this summer, is accused of being the Fed. Basically, and it's a it's a nasty, nasty yeah. habit that uh, some people have around here, and it is not welcoming uh, toward, towards yeah. new people. It's not not good, but it has happened a lot of times. Campbell is one of the few that people still, I think, a lot of them right. still believe that he like, is uh, a federal what's that, agent. What's that other guy? Hal uh, Stevenson? You're talking it? about the the old uh, racist talk show host? Yeah, from back? Hal, yeah. Turner. Hal Turner. Hal Turner. Hal Turner. Yeah. Hal Turner. There it is. Which yeah, he was a Fed. He so was. This, so this he was is an this is an my informant. point. No, but this yeah. is my point is the reason that people are so conscious about it is because it's a real dynamic. It's right. 100% real dynamic. Yeah. It is in and they've the done it before, FBI. they'll do it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, they did it in COINTELPRO. They did it in the color revolutions, like the George Soros-sponsored color revolutions in Ukraine and in Georgia. I mean, that is the name of the game. The best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves. And um, uh, if you... If you know, like if you take a look at the March on the Women's March on Washington, they knew that they were going to have they knew that they were going to have opposition to this misogynist, um, uh, you know, uh, ridiculous clown Trump. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then they bring in uh, 60 plus um, George Soros funded groups, bring all of these women into uh, into Washington, D.C., they lead them into a brick wall of worthless slogans, worthless uh, demands, worthless program. They tell them to roll over. They tell them, oh, just uh, uh, accept. Uh, an ex- they called it an acceptance of suffering. And then as the piece de la resistance, they dress them in pussy hats. Yep. And somebody's in Langley, Virginia, rolling around on the floor going, I told you we could do it. I told you they'd put on the pussy hats. They're a bunch of pussies. 
it's you know so you got to be on the lookout for it and so i wish it wasn't the case uh, but when you see somebody inciting violence you know within the within the liberty movement and then they can't sell it in the liberty movement so now they go and they go and try and they sell it in the alt-right movement and then they're on vice and not just on vice but Vice goes into their hotel room and then he starts pulling out pulling like guns. a dozen guns. I'm like, this is the most <laughs> scripted thing I've ever seen from te- Vice, which is a controlled perception television show. Well, I mean, I as as one of the people who has spent probably more time with Chris Cantwell than most people, I would say, you know, probably, I mean, mm-hmm. his mother probably beats me out, but I've spent a lot of time <laughs> with Chris. I still don't know what to think of him. Like, the you know the Chris Cantwell pulling out a bunch of guns that's totally something Chris Cantwell right. would do right like <laughs> like knowing yeah. him he would have a bunch of guns guns on him um, and he was just over here the other night because he was on Vincent's show over the uh-huh. weekend and afterwards he talked about the he referred to Chris Cantwell as a character once again which is not right. the first time that he has done that uh, so there's more coming up here in moments we can continue we'll get deeper into the story about the non-aggression principle and your calls and thoughts welcome. For- You will understand the true intent of the Founding Fathers when they wrote the Constitution if you attend this free webinar. Chris Ann Hall, president of Liberty First University, doesn't simply regurgitate what some professor or expert has said about the Constitution. She relays the thoughts and opinions of those who wrote the documents. Her straightforward, passionate, easy-to-understand style lets anyone grasp the principles of liberty. Join us at lfu.freetalklive.com to watch the free pre-recorded webinar. Watch now at lfu.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. You can join us here. The toll-free number, if you'd like to do that and get on the radio, is 855-450-FREE. And you can bring up whatever's on your mind. You don't have to talk about the non-aggression principle, which we're going to get into further here. We just barely scratched the surface of a story that I, I'm, I, I'm sure we're going to have plenty to say uh, about here, where one man is advocating, and he's not by no means the first to do this, but uh, he's, he's, it's an interesting article so far, so we're going to continue it. But uh, over at libertarianism.org, one guy is saying libertarians ought to get rid of the non-aggression principle. And he's going to give us some of his reasons why he believes that that should happen. The non-aggression principle is, of course, the base principle of libertarianism, the idea that, hey, it's not okay to use violence against your neighbor, uh, aggressive violence. It's not okay to threaten your neighbor's in order to get them to do the things you want them to do or to not do the things you don't want them to do. And, of course, that's the tool that the government uses. The government gang uses the threat of violence and actual violence to enforce its will upon you. And that's not all right. And it's not all right if one person does it like your common criminal. It's not all right if a dozen people do it like a gang. And it's not all right if a bunch of, you know, 51% of people do it by going to uh, the ballot box. So with you in the studio tonight, I'm Ian. I'm Johnson. Etienne de la Bouissy Squared. Welcome. Uh, Etienne is with us here, special guest host, uh, newer mover to New Hampshire as part of the freedom migration of liberty-minded folks that have been migrating here for years. He came here over the summertime, arriving during Fork Fest and the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And uh, we had the opportunity to to meet previously at the Anarchapulco event a couple of years prior to that. and uh, For a couple of years, yeah. yeah, yeah it was absolutely. a real pleasure to uh, to see you move up here because you know, I, always, I always know the real hardcores when they move to New Hampshire because 
it's cold up here, so you got to be pretty hardcore to not only pick up your whole life and move it somewhere else, but to move to a place that's relatively foreboding and not so populated. Uh, it's wonderful to to have you here. So thanks for joining us here tonight, uh, Johnson. Let's continue with this this story of yours. All right. So it continues to say here the NAPS plausibility. That's the non-aggression principle. Yes, the non-aggression principles plausibility is superficial. It is, of course, common sense to think that aggression is a bad thing, but it is far from common sense to think that its badness is absolute, such that the wrongness of aggression always trumps any other possible consideration of justice or political morality. There is a vast difference between a strong but defensible presumption against the justice of aggression and an absolute universal position. As Brian Kaplan has said, if you can't think of counterexamples to the latter, you're not trying hard enough. But I'm here to help. Okay, good. Because we've come across a few over the years, so I'm curious to hear what it is that he comes up with. In the remainder of this essay, I want to present six reasons why libertarians should reject the non-aggression principle. None of them are original to me. Each is logically independent of the others. Taken together, I think they make a fairly overwhelming case. All right. I'm I'm prepared to be overwhelmed. <laughs> Here's the first one. One, prohibits all pollution. As I noted in my last post, Rothbard recognized Rothbard himself recognized that industrial pollution violates the NAP and must therefore be prohibited. But Rothbard did not draw the full implications of his principle. Not just industrial pollution, but personal pollution produced by driving, burning wood in one's fireplace, smoking, etc., runs afoul of the non-aggression principle. The non-aggression principle implies that all of these activities must be prohibited, no matter how beneficial they may be. In I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard any libertarian say, nope, you can't have a campfire. Yeah. Uh, I my understanding. Well, let him. Yeah, let, let me. Because sure. it's just a sentence. Yeah. So let me just complete it. He says the non-aggression principle implies that all of the, all of these activities must be prohibited, no matter how beneficial they may be in other respects, and no matter how essential they are to daily life in the modernized industrialized world. And this is deeply implausible. No, that's a complete misunderstanding of the nap. Because to, <laughs> right. for anybody to be able to quote-unquote do anything about the pollution you have to have an organization with the ability to use violence and so if you're a supporter of the non-aggression principle then you know that government is impossible and so how are you going to stop these things without a government well, well no the idea well, I mean, there, is there are that ways to do it but i mean is it's, that as if you are engaging in pollution at all that you are violating the non-aggression principle because you are aggressing against someone else that's and that even if, sillier and that if you are someone who prescribes to the non-aggression principle you can never engage in any form of aggression at all that's the idea that this person is is saying that if you support the non-aggression principle, you must also support the idea that you can never engage in any kind of aggression, whatever. Well, you generally should not engage in any kind of aggression, although there are a few examples that should you, know, you might want Should not and will not and do not are yeah. huge Like the classic example that we've come up with here over the years is what if... Etienne is uh, unaware you're in some sort of drunken state and uh, you're standing in you know in the road and there's a bus coming your direction and you have no idea it would be an aggressive act for me to push you out of the way and save your life 
but after the fact, you might thank me for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are some of these examples where the non-aggression principle doesn't quite hold up, but generally it's a pretty good principle. But to come back to the pollution question here, um, generally, as I understand the libertarian position on pollution is that, yes, it could be considered aggressive to pollute uh, or to pump whatever it is into the air, but ultimately you have to make a case for that. Just the fact that somebody's got a smokestack in the air doesn't necessarily mean that anybody's being damaged. If the you know, particles per million are relatively low, it's probably not doing anything uh, to anybody. If you can prove, however, that uh, whatever the smokestack is uh, bellowing out is, is actually causing damage to people or property, then you may have a viable case against that particular company. Now, in the absence of the state, what do you do to put a stop to this? Uh, well, you can use the media. You can use the internet. You can spread the Consumer word. Consumer boycott. The boycott, exactly right. And there are other things. You know, there could be insurance companies that could get involved to uh, pull policies or whatever. And uh, and again, you know, some sort of a lawsuit in whatever whatever kind of. Uh, non-governmental court system that we might have some kind of arbitration. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's the thing that every so like. Let me ask you guys now: if you were to um, say what what do you believe the cornerstone is or the center of at least in America? I think it's probably going to be a similar answer in most other justice systems around the world. What would you say the central tenets of American justice are? Like, what's the founding principle upon how a judge makes decisions in a case? Uh, will it benefit the state in a lot <laughs> of cases? That's probably one. Yeah, that's probably one. <laughs> Does the client have like, money? Okay, let's say somebody's you know solving a civil suit. You know, is it is it always? I mean, let's let's not you know be completely entirely cynical because I don't think anybody's going to accept that if you're really making that as an argument. You know, I think it's 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 probably more accurate than uh, most people are willing to believe. Mm -hmm. But uh, for those that are completely unwilling to believe that, I mean, are there any guiding principles at all to, you know, our justice system that beyond uh, money and uh, the state? You know, I I think that there, there have to be some, I mean, I think that there are some people that believe that there's, you know, I think that people would completely reject, if that were totally true and people actually believed that, then I don't think, I think that there are enough people that would then, you know, revolt and reject the justice system entirely. I think that people believe that there are some moral principles behind the justice system. I think that that those people exist, right? Well, they have a, there's a fantasy, a religious belief, as you touched on earlier, Etienne, that uh, the belief in the state is a religious belief system. And nowhere beyond the courtroom is it more obvious. I mean, look at this. You have pews. You yep. literally have. They're just missing the they holy sit Bible. On high. Right. They don't have a hymnal sitting in front of you. But they you sit know, on high. Right. They the, wear a robe. The man wears a, a robe. He walks in. There are ac- acol- He has his acolytes in the room who will do his bidding, and he, you know, he bellows from the bench, and the acolytes. They act. They do what they're told to do. Arrest that man. And they arrest that man. It doesn't matter whether the arrest but is illegal. But I think illegal. the reason why they do that is not just because, oh, they're blindly serving the state, but they are, there are people that believe that there is some form of justice being meted out. Yes. Right? They the believe that there are some moral principles, and it's what are those moral principles that the state is acting upon? They don't if have there those. there are any. No, they don't have yeah. those. It's the belief that there are some, but they're not actually, they don't actually exist. Yeah, they're not consistent. They're, it's certainly not consistent. The very well, because, it's because law is based on opinion. Well, there's tort. We'll, there's we'll different continue. types of law, right? Hold that thought. We can continue. You can share your thoughts as well.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything that you want. All you got to do, take control of the airwaves here. The toll-free number, 855-450-FREE. Should the libertarians just reject the non-aggression principle? Uh, You know, it's not that great for whatever reason. I'm not sure what these reasons are going to be, but there's an article, Johnson, that you're going to share with us uh, where the article author says... Yeah, here's six reasons, and we're on reason number one right now. Yeah. Um, and his first reason was pretty lame, which is to say he he claims that all pollution uh, is is aggression, and so therefore prohibited by the non-aggression principle. And I don't think that's necessarily. And, and I true. was asking you guys uh, what you thought if there were any central moral principles, because clearly people believe that they're getting justice to a certain extent, right? There are some yeah. people that believe that that our justice system, uh, in at least the United States, you know, provides some kind of protection. That there's, you know, our military provides some kind of protection. They they have this, you know, completely unfounded belief that you know the police. And the military and the courts are there to somehow protect you and provide you with, with some kind of justice and and uh, you know they're bringing well, they uh, believe peace and, and a, a rule of law right which that's what they say yeah well and as I as I mentioned right before the break it's only it, once you actually get some experience with these people uh, that you realize that was a mistake that you were completely wrong, that yeah. there is no duty pr- to protect you no. for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're having completely superficial interactions. And with the justice system has no real principles behind it. They have a set of rules well, they supposedly I'm, follow. I'm going to take debate with that because I believe that they do. But here's the problem. Well, There's criminal law, civil law, tort law, statutory law, common law, and intellectual property law. There yeah, are these different... There are these, those, all those different types of uh, law, and they're all operating on different principles. It's kind of like the different uh, organizations of government, right? Like different bureaus and bureaucracies all operate on different principles. So I was, I was actually watching a video from um, uh, uh, Prager University today about a guy who uh, runs a uh, cookie company for selling like sugar-free diet cookies for diabetics. Mm. And it was actually a really interesting video. And he was talking about all these different, all the red tape he has to go through, you know, with his very slim profit margins that he's got to deal with all these regulations and bureaucracy nonsense. And one of the uh, examples he was saying is that he's got the FDA, uh, which has some sort of ridiculous regulation on the doors in the kitchen where the doors have to open out because he's like having to encapsulate, like no food particles can like move from the kitchen into another area. Well, he's got the agriculture department because he's doing stuff with agricultural products like milk and they have a regulation that states that the doors have to open in. Yeah. There's no so principle here. He had to have a door, one door that opened out and one door that opened in. Ridiculous. Right? You know, so in your list of different laws, you left out natural law, which sure. is the only law that you really need. And it's the one that's philosophically <laughs> well, and morally consistent. Right. Right. But, you know, if you think about it, you know, every all of the law that they've got can all be replaced by natural law. And uh, the, the tenets of natural law is there's really five. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that either, because natural law, right, is the the. I mean, if you're going to go with the ultimate natural law, you're going to be the type of person who's going to say might makes right. right? No, That's no, natural no, law. no, 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 no. To a certain extent. Natural law is essentially. Uh, you're going to say there's five tenets? Th- yeah, there's five breaches of natural law. Mm-hmm. And so there's assault, rape, theft, trespass, and coercion. And each of those. Those is- are actually covered. Those would be what our 
current law system would call torts. Those would all fall under tort law. Right. But <laughs> I, but my point is, is that, the, that, that all of those are a theft of some kind or another. And so if you think about it, assault is uh, the theft of physical well-being. Uh, rape is the theft of sexual choice. Um, theft of physical property is theft. Theft of uh, uh, trespass is theft of security. And coercion is theft of consent. And so uh, when people talk about what is a right, you know, everybody's like, hey, I've got a right to do this. Hey, I've got a right to do that. Uh, well, the basis of that is natural law. And the thing that that so a right. So all of those things are obviously wrong because mm-hmm. there's a victim in each of those cases. And so those are wrongs. A right is anything that's not a wrong. Indeed. So you're either hurting. And then if you wanted to even uh, if you wanted to break it down even further, all of those can be reduced to do no harm. And it's a beautiful thing. Right. right. And yeah. look how simple that is. And if you have that basis in natural law, then you've got a basis in morality. And if you have a basis in morality, then you don't need to hire a five hundred dollar lawyer to right. go to court. You don't have to do anything. You just come. You know, you can come before a group of your peers and 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 show uh, how the harm was right. done. And show how yeah. the harm was done, and it becomes Which did, goes, did you it harm seems them? Or did, obvious, right? Like that's what the non-aggression principle is. Is it's that it's sort of a a a well-structured way of saying do no harm in a form that is meant to be uh, the primary cornerstone of any justice system right of any any kind of uh society like not necessarily justice system in the, in the sense that we think of it now where you have a legally uh taxed you know like it's it's you know a justice system that supports itself through anything but justice by stealing from people uh you know and stealing funding to to support itself but let's say a society uh built around uh the idea that uh, you know, aggression uh, should be uh, somehow, uh, you know, restituted. That if, if someone uh, either intentionally or negligently commits an aggression against someone else, that they make that person whole. And, uh, and that also does not them. exist within, I mean, to some extent it, it can, but for the most part in the criminal justice system, the money that, you know, you pay out in a fine doesn't actually go to the victim in a lot of cases. There it are does, some cases where it's called retri- retribution-based justice versus right. restoration Well, to come justice. back to your original question, Johnson, which I don't think we've really had a chance to, to get into here, at least I didn't feel like I had a chance to answer it, about the principles behind the mm-hmm. so-called justice system, there are no principles beyond the rule of man. So and and that's a changing sort of chimera, right? Like right. Uh, it it is changing with the moment. Law is as and I think Mark Stevens coined this one, and I love it. It's an opinion backed by a gun. That's all that law mm-hmm. is. When you have these Supreme Court justices, these robed men and women, they make a decision a hundred years ago. Well, the current Supreme Court can make a completely different decision. They generally base their decisions on prior decisions, but sometimes they overturn the prior decisions and they completely change the law because of that. Now, in some cases, it's made sense for them to do it in certain instances, but it just goes to show that there are no actual principles right. behind this. And the non-aggression principle, it's not... It's not a you know an idea that you never are 
able to, you're, you're locked into this, uh, you can't transgress against anyone mm-hmm. ever. You can't have any kind of trespass against someone either accidentally or intentionally because you're completely locked into this com- pacifistic state, <laughs> you know, where you can't pollute, you can't do anything because you might harm someone else. It's about the idea that you, uh, are a type of person who is a, uh, you're going to make somebody whole if you if do. You- did the wrong th- if you did the wrong thing or you right. thought you were doing the right thing but you did the wrong thing if i knock ha- if i knock uh, etienne out of the way of the bus and he was like well i was trying to kill myself now i'm mad at you you should have let me die then i would be a- a sorry for it and try to make things right by not knocking him out of the way again i, I don't know right. what the punishment would and be and that, that should but. be the central of any sort of system or society who values real justice right all right, Not we got more coming up here. Justice. The toll-free number if you want to join the discussion, 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM. This is Free Talk Live. Chronic pain, stress and anxiety, fatigue or lack of focus, dependence on opioids or opiates? John Bush here, owner of Brave Botanicals, inviting you to try a free ounce of Kratom, the controversial plant remedy the government doesn't want you to know about. Why, you ask? Well, it's big competition for big pharma. From grandmothers cutting Oxycontin to keep up with their grandkids, to young adults kicking Adderall and quitting drinking, more Americans are turning to Kratom to help them through the day. But the government won't stop us. When the credit card companies kicked Kratom to the curb, I accepted e-checks and crypto. When Facebook shut down my ad account, I did podcast interviews and advertised on Free Talk Live. And now to give a big F you to the man, I'm giving away Kratom for free. To get your free ounce of Kratom, go to freeounceofkratom.com, pay $5 shipping and handling, and I'll send you a free ounce. Visit freeounceofkratom.com to claim your free ounce today. That's freeounceofkratom.com. Free Talk Live. Join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. 855-450-3733. We have the Discord call-in-line rooms. They're open and available to you over at discord.lrn.fm. So hop into one of those. You'll sound almost like you're sitting here in the studio with us. And by the way, I do want you to know about liberty.menu. Libertarians for a long time have wanted to know about other liberty-minded folks and their businesses. But there's never really been a good online Liberty Business Directory until Liberty.menu. They finally got it and they did a great job. It's a super easy to use website and it's free. So you go to Liberty.menu. Maybe you've got a thing that you do. Maybe you've got a business. Maybe you're a content creator like Etienne who's got a book. Uh, UnderstandingOurSlavery.com is his website. But if you want to add the thing that you do, so to liberty.menu so other libertarians and voluntarists and anarchists can find out about you then you should do that because it's free so why not get on over to liberty.menu it's exclusively for individuals who reject the initiation of force so that's liberty.menu's creator saying hey if you're one of these these anti-non-aggression principle people you're not welcome at liberty.menu you got to actually understand freedom and agree to abide by the ethics of the non-aggression principle in order to sign up and use liberty.menu. So it's a free site, but you got to have principles. Go to liberty.menu. You can use code FTL like Free Talk Live. You get a Free Talk Live listener badge on your profile for doing that. And, you know, there are some upgrades that you can pay for for liberty.menu, but by itself, you can list the things you do for free. 
And uh, maybe you've got an event that you are coordinating or involved with. You can list your events there, too. Liberty.menu. As we go to your calls and thoughts, more from Johnson with the story that is attacking the non-aggression principle. We're only through point one of six, <laughs> so uh, we gotta, we got to get to the other five here. But let's go to Tom. He's in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. It's about a letter that uh, the White House lawyer sent to the House of Representatives to explain why the White House will not be participating in these proceedings, and they're not going to go and uh, answer stuff uh, that the House of Representatives has not been following all the correct procedures, and there seems to be a lot of misunderstanding about what's going on, okay? Hmm. okay. Now, picture a pedestrian walking up to a cop and saying, uh, somebody's breaking into a car around the corner. Okay, that's the whistleblower report. Now, let's say the cop is going to walk around the corner and see, is there somebody breaking into a parked car? And the breaker would have a perfect excuse if the breaker owns the car and locks the keys inside. Mm -hmm. Okay, So the cop is checking into it. That is the equivalent of the current uh, impeachment inquiry. And you don't have the right to cross-examination of and confront your accuser or any of that. This is that that's going on right now is investigating into it. If breaking into a parked car is a felony, then you don't go to a trial until after an indictment. That's that would be the impeachment. Okay, well, it's not at that point yet. The impeachment proceeding would take place. But right now, it's simply the impeachment inquiry. Check it out. Is somebody breaking into a parked car? Is the breaker the owner of the car? That's where it's at now. Mm. And they're talking about how the president isn't being given the right to uh, confront the accusers face-to-face and all of this other stuff. And the, But the one point that really uh, has to be mentioned, catch it every time the enemies of liberty bring it up, because it's one of the big lies in all kinds of political discussions, and it has lies always suit the bad guys. Quote, simply put, you seek to overturn the results of the 2016 election and deprive the American people of the president they have freely chosen, unquote. Uh, excuse me, but when uh, they do this, always remember what your geometry teacher told you. For a statement to be true, it has to be true for all cases. That statement accuses me, one of the American people, of having freely chosen Trump. And it accuses all of you and everybody else there of having freely chosen Trump. And who made this statement? I'm sorry, I I wasn't clear on that. The the statement in the letter, quote, which letter? Simply a letter from the White House to Nancy Pelosi and gotcha. the various three chairmen, and it's, quote, put simply, you seek to overturn the results of the 2016 election and deprive the American people of the president they have freely chosen, unquote. And so I'm just calling to, to point this out uh, when... Well, you're not you're wrong. I mean, most people did not choose Donald Trump. Right. Most people uh, either didn't Only vote. Only 26 percent of yeah. people, you know, roughly and it's not even 26. It's like 25 point whatever voted for Trump. Right. Because uh, you're including there, uh, Etienne, the fact that many people don't vote at all. 
In right. fact, I just happened well, not, to have the exact that. stats right here. Oh, really? So 46.9% did not vote. Right. 25.6% voted for Clinton and 25.5% voted for Trump. 1.7% voted for Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so even the fact, you know, the, 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 the big crime, the real crime is the fact that uh, everybody gets a government imposed on them, even though only 25.5% of the population voted for them. And how many of those people were voting for Trump because he wasn't Clinton? You know, what, right. you, know, what no. you never really know is why people chose the way they chose. We have no can idea. I, can I point something out yes, here? Sir. Okay, because uh, I never know when, when you're going to cut me off here. Is that is uh, that when they... Uh, when you're in a on the stage in a debate or any kind of when somebody says excuse me, but the American people strongly support that law, the best rebuttal is uh, no, I do not, and then again invoke the what your geometry teacher told you. No, I do not. Yeah, you accused me of supporting that law. Or in this Good case, point, uh, Tom. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, the toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM. That's 855-450-3733. Yeah, I'm pretty sure 100% of this studio did not uh, consent to being ruled by either Clinton or Trump. Not interested. I'd like to opt out, please. I don't support this whole federal government concept, let alone the state of New Hampshire. I certainly don't support them, but uh, at least I can... At least I can talk to some of those guys. It, you know, it really is the big con. Uh, the big, you know, government is illegitimate on, for so many different reasons. You can't delegate rights. You uh, don't have yourself to a representative or a government. You can't be bound by a contract that you yourself have you never know, didn't signed. Sign. Right. And so, you know, if you go back to the founding, uh, you get a you got three dozen slave owners uh, uh, get together in a room. They write down on a piece of paper that they alone <laughs> get to make up rules for everyone. Right. And then, and they alone get to steal the wealth of others, which is ridiculous on its face. But then, cause it's the government and the media working together. It's an organized crime system. They have their newspapers proclaim it's valid. We have a new government. It's mm. magnificent. And then uh, they just proceed to kind of, you know, kind of take over. And then we will, you know, how many people actually voted for that? Definitely less than 1% or, you know, in yeah. the first election, um, the first, you know, election. And so how many people would have even known that was going on? At exactly. That time? <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, news it's, travel by horseback at best. Right, 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 right. And so, so that's, I mean, that's essentially how they did it. So we, we just, we just kind of take over. And then by the way, the bill of rights that just goes right out the window, Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Washington and Hamilton lead an army of 13,000 immediately into Pennsylvania to put down the whiskey rebellion. Right. They search homes without warrants. They new boss, people, same as the old boss. You got like, really, so all of that bill of rights right out the door. We're in charge. We're taking your money. Yeah. And that's the way it's been ever since. Well, I feel just... better because it's not going to the king. See, it's all better. <laughs> all right, Johnson, let's continue here. Okay, well, the second point here that it goes on about the uh, the non-aggression principle, it's, it's continued attack here, is that the non-aggression principle prohibits all pollution because its prohibition on aggression is absolute. No amount of aggression, no matter how small, is morally permissible, and no amount of offsetting benefits can change this fact. And then it says, but suppose to borrow a thought from Hume that I could prevent the destruction of a whole world by lightly scratching your finger, or perhaps... Oh my god. 
This is still By the pollution part. a very part. small tax on billionaires. More coming up here. Uh, we'll get to the next <laughs> point. It's for It's Free Talk Live. Should the libertarian movement reject the non-aggression principle? Well, I mean, that's basically asking the question of should the libertarian movement completely destroy itself because that's the founding foundational principle uh, that the whole concept is based on. But yet somebody who has taken control of a website called libertarianism.org <laughs> is, uh, is advocating for or at this. at least has written a single article. Well, they're publishing it. And uh, we're going to get into uh, points two through six on his six points Mm -hmm. of why he believes that uh, he's serious that the non-aggression principle should be gotten rid of. We'll continue with that discussion here. And if you want to join in, you can. Our toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. And I want to make sure you know about the Edge wallet. If you're interested in cryptocurrency, you've got to have a wallet in which you can then store that cryptocurrency. Technically, you're storing the keys to your cryptocurrency, but that's a more technical discussion. Uh, You can get Edge Wallet. It's one of the myriad of different choices out there. Why should you choose Edge? Well, because, in my opinion, it's the best cryptocurrency wallet that is available today. And I have tried a bunch of different crypto wallets. And I came to this conclusion long before they became an advertiser here on Free Talk Live. Been a big fan of Edge. I use it more than any other wallet uh, out there. And it's available for both iOS and for Android. So whatever, you know mobile device you have you can get edge it'll allow you to buy sell trade and of course securely hold your favorite cryptocurrencies there's a couple few dozen uh, options there inside edge they will help you secure your freedom they've got a veteran team that's been building wallets since 2014 go to edge.app that's their website where you can learn more about the technology it's edge.app or just go and download it right now through your google or apple app store and again, that's the Edge wallet. It'll let you hold your Bitcoin BTC, your Bitcoin Cash, your Dash, Ethereum, various Ethereum tokens, Monero, Ripple, Stellar, and many more. Edge.app. As we continue here, of course, take your calls and thoughts. So, Johnson, you are going to get to point number two here yeah, on this guy's list of reasons to get rid of the non-aggression principle. Any minute. I'm going to rehash <laughs> this one here real quick. So the non-aggression principle prohibits... All pollution, because it's prohibition. This is the opinion on, of the yes. of the guy writing. Yes, yeah. okay. um, just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, non-aggression principle prohibits all pollution because its prohibition prohibition on aggression is absolute. No amount of aggression, no matter how small, no is morally permissible, and no amount of offsetting benefits can change this fact. But suppose, to borrow a thought from Hume, that I could prevent the destruction of the whole world by lightly scratching your finger. Or, to take perhaps a more plausible example, suppose that by imposing a very, very small tax on billionaires, I could provide life-saving vaccinations for tens of thousands of desperately poor children. Even if we grant that taxation is aggression, and that aggression is generally wrong, is it really so obvious that the relevant relatively minor aggression involved in these examples is wrong given the tremendous benefit it produces yes that's utilitarianism folks (laughs) it's also situational ethics and you can make up a gazillion of these but at the end of the day if you don't have a principle we're not going to hurt you or steal your stuff the second that you say oh in certain cases it's okay to steal your stuff and there's the exception and now it's going to push a mac truck 
well, you know, then, then, well, why can't we do it for this? And well, why can't also, we do that? Well, we just did it for that. Well, yeah. and look at the way he terms the, oh, it's just a little tax on the billionaires. It's a minor aggression. Right. Well, it may seem minor to him because he's not the one who's enforcing right. it. He's not the one who's doing anything about it. He's just a thinker. He's out here thinking about these things. But when you're the actual victim of the tax, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, Hand it over or else. And, and then they put, a, they put you in a jail cell or throw, you know, put a gun to your head in order to get it, which is the violence that backs real, all of these minor aggressions. Here's the thing that, that is also not addressed by this, right? Who is he to judge that the aggression is, is minor? minor right. right? Now, someone who's purported, promoting aggression is who he is. Right, exactly. And here's the thing. It, it, it could be that it's... You know, that that what he's perceiving as something that's a minor aggression is actually, uh, you know, a, a harm that is greater than perceived. So, for example, I was, I was giving the example of the guy who was operating on uh, the 1% margins and that they have these aggressions that are supposed to be protections, mm-hmm. you know, by the ag department and the FDA. Where doors are opening inwards and outwards. And it gets to uh, ridiculous levels because... You know, you have people that are making these judgments that have no business making these judgments, right? I mean, it's it's not necessarily uh, that, you know, aggression can generate harms that are, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say or how I can it's, more it's the, it's the unintended it, but, consequences of regulation. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. unintended consequences. Not only are there unintended consequences, but potentially there are... Uh, benefits that are being squashed by the aggressions as well. Like right? the benefit so, of having jobs from this guy who would, might go out of business because right. the regulations are going to put him under. Right, exactly. Like the benefits of living in a peaceful, harmonious, free society. That because, sounds really nice. Yeah. I mean, It'd be that, nice that, if we could do that. I know, and Imagine it's so simple. All you got to do is follow the non-aggression right. principle, and, and boom, there you go. Leave people also, alone. Okay, so now I've, I've had my train of th- uh, the train's thought, back on track. The train of thought has, has come back on the rails here. So the other thought here is that if it were such a, a, a small aggression, right? If it were really uh, a, such a small aggression, why wouldn't that be able to be achieved without aggression? It would through persuasion, right? And through Hey, uh, billionaire. You know, voluntary action. <laughs> right. Hey, billionaire, right. you can huh. save How'd you some like lives? to save some lives? Right. And if that billionaire isn't willing to, go to the next why one. are you to not trust their reasoning yeah. on that? And if they, you know, they, even if it's there are other purely selfish, you yeah. know, there are, yeah, not only there are other billionaires, but suppose their answer is just, I don't want to. It's good enough. You know, right? I mean, if it's not good enough for you, then you clearly have a moral issue. Because that billionaire could be a pretend billionaire like Donald Trump. He could be completely underwater on his properties mm-hmm. where the banks have him by the balls, like Donald Trump. <laughs> so here's number three. Okay. So that, so what number two was, we need a little aggressions. We need a yeah. Okay. Just baby aggression. <laughs> number three is the non-aggression principle clearly implies that it's wrong for me to shoot you in the head. But to borrow an example from David Friedman, what if I merely run the risk of shooting you by putting one bullet in a six-shot revolver, spinning the cylinder, aiming it at your head, and squeezing the trigger? What if it's not one bullet, but five? Of course, almost everything we do imposes some risk of harm on innocent persons. We run the risk when we drive on the... We run run the risk when we drive on the highway. 
But what if we suffer a heart attack or become distracted while we're driving on the highway? We could harm someone. Or when we fly airplanes over populated areas, most of us think that some of these risks are justifiable while others are not, and that the difference between them has something to do with the size and likelihood of the risked harm. Okay. Uh, driving while drunk, I'm assuming, is the, probably another uh, purported uh, example of what this is hinting at, I think. But um, he's saying uh, the something to do with the size and likelihood of the risk uh, the risk harm, the importance of the risky activity and the availability and costs of less ri- risky activity. But considerations like this carry zero weight in the non-aggression principles, absolute prohibition on aggression. That principle seems compatible with only two possible rules. Either all risks are permissible because they are not really aggression until they actually result in a harm or none are because they are. And, Either of these here, and neither of these here seems plausible. So he's saying that he believes the non-aggression principle means that you can't take a risk or that you can take well, any risk. He's saying that it's, it has to be one or the other, right? You just have to either say that you would have to argue that, um, that taking a risk uh, with someone's, with harming someone is not actually aggression or that all risks are aggression. In other words, um, you know, that either you, like he, he would be equating, for example, drinking and driving to putting a bullet in a gun and pointing it at someone's head, which is actually probably an example that somebody would, who, you know, hates drinking and driving would actually make. Um, but essentially, you know, you, he's saying like, you can't say that it would be okay to drink and drive and not okay to point a gun at someone's head and pull the trigger if there's one bullet in the, you know, in the, you know, cylinder or whatever. <laughs> so this is just a, a bizarre uh, objection here, right? So it's so dumb that <laughs> yeah, it's hard to really it's nowhere to start. Yeah. Um, I think most sane people would say that, uh, you are threatening somebody mm-hmm. when you put one bullet into it's an a applied death revolver. Threat. Pointing yeah. pointing a gun yeah. of any sort Whether there's somebody, a bullet is an applied in there or not. death threat and it opens up to you it opens you immediately up to retaliatory violence. Absolutely it 100%. does. Um, but yet somebody getting behind the wheel of a car in a normal state is though there is a risk involved, relatively small. Uh, by comparison. So by no means is that an implied death threat. But what about the drunken driver? Well, let's get a little bit further. Hello, everyone. This is Courtney Shrem, and I want to invite you to join my husband and I, Charlie Shrem, on his new show, Untold Stories, for a deep dive into crypto history with the people who made that history. Together, we'll explore the personalities and events that gave rise to Bitcoin and the crypto revolution, the innovation, the collaboration, the battles, and the busts. You'll have a front row seat to the early days of crypto up to today, and you'll hear it from the folks who lived through it and survived to drive this movement mainstream. Untold Stories looks back to reveal what inspired some of the greatest minds on earth to come together to create this technology and change the future for everyone. So join Charlie and his guests, the techies and the traders, the entrepreneurs and the innovators, as they explore our past and understand what that means for the future. Free Talk Live. 
It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. That's 855-450-3733. We have the Discord call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Johnson. And Etienne de la Bouissy. We have been talking about this article, Johnson, that you brought in here tonight. Uh, It is a criticism of the idea of the non-aggression principle. I want a devil's advocate for this last bad, you know, you guys both attacked it as a very bad argument. I think that I need to devil's advocate for it to explain a little better because I kind of feel like I understand where it's coming from in an understanding of the, the incorrect understanding that some people have that the non-aggression principle is a prohibition on aggression, right? Which I think that, that people believe that if you, it's a principle, which means principle, it could be, but it's like, it's like pacifism is a principle, right? But, but pacifism I think is a lot, more solid of a principle in other words like pacifists generally you know there are pacifists where it's like okay i'm never gonna you know engage in a fight but there are pacifists that also believe that you should never even stop on you know step on a bug mm-hmm. you know they're pacifists you know like okay well you can't step on a bug but obviously you're gonna harm some of the bacteria that live on your skin because you can't help it you know like sure you have to come to an <laughs> understanding like it gets to the point of where it's like it gets to the point of this is ridiculous you know, it gets ridiculous but but you know you have to kind of understand so like i understand where the ridiculousness is coming from but i feel like i should devil's devil's advocate for this because okay, okay well, so can you recap for those that are just tuning in where we're at with sure this? let me go uh to the, the back so i'm not i don't want to cover the whole thing but it's, it basically says the nap uh the non-aggression no, principle clearly implies that it's wrong for me to shoot you and shoot you in the head as he says um but what if i r- merely run the risk it's he's basically talking about um is that the non-aggression principle is an also uh, that has an all-or-nothing attitude towards risking committing aggression against someone or or committing uh, well hold on aggressively risk like risky aggressive behaviors <laughs> right like, well driving while uh, while drunk which was one of the the points that that he makes isn't necessarily an aggressive act. It may be a stupid act. It could be an act well, that what has about a li- waving a loaded firearm at somebody. You know, you don't have your finger on the trigger, but you're pointing. That a gun is at absolutely somebody. an aggressive act. There's no way that anyone could take that as anything but an aggressive act. But I think there are a lot of people that could say that it's completely irresponsible and therefore uh, a matter of harm to drive. You know, to drive drunk because there's no you don't have a need to do that. Well, hold on. It is irresponsible to drive drunk. But how drunk are we talking about? Because that's another important question. Let's say dangerously. Okay, dangerously drunk. Then, yeah, it's incredibly irresponsible. However, is it aggression uh, to do that? I don't know. I think that's arguable. At what point do we determine it's dangerous? I mean, we're still doing breathalyzer tests. And I think the the reason why I'm advocating for this is because, okay, so... uh, well, you're not advocating for anything. Well, no, I mean, I'm devil's advocating. Okay. Is what I mean for this is that I just I do feel like if you're going to create if you're creating a system of say justice with uh, the non-aggression principle at the center, then you this is an issue that would have to be somewhat dealt with. Mm-hmm. If you're going to, well, how would you deal with it then? Think about you're some now kind a of- private road owner, <laughs> right? Somebody's just got out the bar, right? And they're getting in their car and they're driving down your road. Well, then it's your private road. You get to just make the decision, right? So, 
Right. So how would you deal with it? Well, I I don't know. I mean, you deal with it like a business owner. I mean, so you would, you would, uh, assuming you've got people that are patrolling the road, you would try and, you know, pull up next to the guy, you'd flash your lights at him. You know, is he going to pull over or is he not? Mm -hmm. If he doesn't pull over, uh, you, maybe your tow truck runs him off the road because you perceive him to be that much of a risk of somebody of, 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 you know, doing it, and he's not obeying the laws of your road. He's well, see, weaving. Well, in wait and a minute. Out. Then he's, you've run him off the road. So now some sort of arbitration has to decide: was your harm? He runs into a tree, dies. Hey, hey, hey! You know, I wasn't like, drunk. Now his family is suing you. Right? I was. Well, well, I wasn't drunk. I was having a diabetic shock attack here. I, I was out of it. I, I couldn't control my car. It wasn't because I was drunk. Well, then, so the assumption is, if you can't control your car and it's out of control, then somebody needs to to do stop so, you. To stop you. Right. <laughs> so the reason why I devil's advocate for this, because justice, right, as... First of all, I thought you were devil's advocating just because he had made such a dumb argument that you felt the no, need to stre- strengthen it so it makes somewhat of a yeah. little bit of sense. Yeah, well, that that's part of it. But I think that, that the point that's being brought up that I... Th- well, sort of. It was sort of poorly brought up, is that... And, and you made a good example here with this, you know, running the guy off the road and he could be having a diabetic attack and right justice and, and, uh, and sort of, uh, mediating, right. is extremely complicated. Mm-hmm. So our legal system, our existing legal system is already a gigantic mess. So if you're going to put this principle, the non-aggression principle at the center of a justice system and try and, sort of figure out between people uh you know how someone is going to be made whole based on any kind of um reciprocity or uh you know level of which they've committed aggression against someone else right to to any kind of um uh uh like with respect to the severity of the aggression right mm-hmm. um you know how does that get figured out with light to this whole risky situation. In other words, like if you're waving a gun at someone versus driving on the road, I mean, is is it a bigger violation? Well, is it not? You know, It's a way bigger violation to wave a gun at somebody because that's an imminent threat to that person, or at least it can be perceived and should be perceived in that way. Somebody driving down the road. But isn't that subjective? In other of words, course what it's I'm subjective. Saying is that but there's these subjectives. Most there people are who lots are of sane, subjective things. Everything in this case is subjective. Um, <laughs> in the case of driving down the road, it's subjective in the, in the way the person is driving. If you are s faced drunk and you just get out of a bar and you mm-hmm. hop behind the wheel, but you are at least no aware that you're s faced. It's still drunk driving to go five miles an hour down the road, but you're not a threat to anybody at that point, right? right. Like if you know you you can get home as long as you're able to go five miles an hour and you just kind of take your car home as slowly as you possibly can, you're probably going to be all right. You know, there's a good chance of that. In this society, if the cop sees you going five miles an hour, you better believe you're getting pulled over and you're going to get breathalyzer and you're going to get get taken to jail, even though you probably would have been fine. Uh, to get home in that case, whereas somebody with a gun waving it at somebody, there's there's no circumstance under which that's ever okay, unless you're filming a movie or something like that, and uh, you know then everybody's consenting and uh, you know there's cameras around or something. Well, I think you have neighbors across the street even that would disagree with you about that. 
that think that uh, you know muzzle sweeping someone if you know they they just happen to be handling firearms and you don't like to be muzzle swept or whatever that they're that that's okay and that that shouldn't be a problem and that you're just uh, you know a coward for not wanting to be around. Uh, uh, firearms. I don't think you, know, you should that put, are being handled irresponsibly. Yeah, I don't think you should <laughs> should necessarily uh, associate that viewpoint with folks across the street. The guy that owns the house across the street, yeah, made some uh, some bad moves with uh, with his muzzle at one of the Porcupine Freedom Festivals. But, but he but doesn't. Some live, of those people doesn't live there. I've also advocated for that same thing, talking about okay, muzzle. Sweeping. I've never heard that. I've uh, talked to yeah. some people about it. Yeah, okay, and that's you know there there is a reason. Are you sure why. they weren't just trolling? Absolutely sure. Okay, that would surprise me. I mean, most of those guys are pretty responsible when it comes to uh, gun ownership, so I would be shocked Mm, to find that out. Well, the news story about the guy who died says otherwise. Guy who died? (laughs) Yeah, he walked in front of a, you know, they were not being responsible, and somebody walked in front of, uh, you know, when there was firing range going on, or some target practice, and was shot in the head. Where was this? King. Really? Yeah. When did this happen? Uh, about a year and a half ago, I think. Maybe two. I don't, Are you talking about the guy who was in his home and uh, shot his friend? That's that story? Because that happened within the last like couple of years. It was like a backyard, I think. It was target practice that was going on. It wasn't just... No, it was something... Uh, that story was a, like a guy in his home, and they actually knew. The guys across the street knew who... Uh, the, the killer was in that particular mm-hmm. case. And I think there was some alcohol involved in that particular case mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. That actually was a, a native. It wasn't one of the, the guys from across the street who was involved. I in thought they just knew who he was. Okay. Uh, there's more on the way here. You can take control of the airwaves. And uh, we'll, we'll, we've been sidetracked. We'll get back into this. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. That's 855-450-3733. We have the Discord call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Johnson. And Etienne de la Boissy. Etienne, tell me about an event you've got coming up. You're doing a lot of traveling around right now. You're in a big old RV parked right outside the LRN.FM studios. And uh, what you got planned? So, yeah, so I'm, I'm the author of the new book, uh, Understanding Our Slavery, and where I'm exposing intergenerational organized crimes, control of the government and the media. And my thesis is the government was never designed to you know, protect life, liberty, and property was designed from the beginning to kind of rob and enslave. And it's been a partnership of kind of the government and the media and the media gives it its legitimacy. And it's a kind of, I call it a control perception program. And so I've been trying to expose it and I'm on a little, I was on an East coast tour with uh, UK uh, natural health guru, uh, Clive DeCarl. And we started out in in Narcadelphia And uh, at the, at my speech at Anarchadelphia, I told the story of the biggest secret of the Secret Service and uh, the story of the 2013 Veterans March on the Memorials, which has largely been kind of covered up. But in essence, uh, in 2013, uh, the Obama administration locked the veterans out of their own memorials. Uh, in a you know at the at because the country hit the uh, debt ceiling and the if you know the debt ceiling is one of those made up things yeah. like uh, <laughs> the social security lockbox or right. the bill of rights and it just you know just ignore it whatever 
And so they were trying to make it seem like, you know, government was going out of business. So they turned off the panda cam at the zoo and they mm-hmm. uh, they and they and they spent money that they didn't have to lock the yep. veterans out of the memorials. And so the veterans come to D.C. and they're just, you know, they're they're mad. And after a rally at the World War Two Memorial, they break down the barricades with their bare hands mm. They carry them and, uh, you know, through the streets of Washington, D.C., and they begin just kind of slamming them on the uh, on the the steps of the White House. And not only were they slamming them, but they've got this uniformed Secret Service surrounded the fence. They're yelling at them. This is our country. Obama's a socialist. How can you work for him? You're scum. They made. Uh, I saw a female Secret Service agent crying. You know, uh, they <laughs> oh. uh, they were literally they were pushing they were pushing. And I've got some video in in the speech. The speech I've got it up on YouTube. The the biggest secret of the Secret Service. But uh, during during this protest, I learned what the biggest secret of the Secret Service is, and um, the biggest secret of and I and it's you'll. If you watch the video, you'll understand kind of like what happened. But uh, the biggest secret of the Secret Service is that they know that this is organized crime. Hmm. Uh, And uh, I kind of retell that story. And so after I figured that out, I um, I guess I took my 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 60 foot sign that says government and media is or is organized crime. And I took my two sons who were uh, nine and 11 at the time. And my 11-year-old looks at me and goes, Dad, I, I don't think that they know it's it's organized crime. And mm. I go, no, no, they know it's organized crime. He's like, no, I don't, Dad, I don't think they know it's organized crime. I go, no, 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 they know it's organized crime. Well, they're it's the like, mob boss's right-hand man or men, right? Oh, Shouldn't yeah. They know? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And so I, and, and he said, no, Dad, I don't. And I go, you know, come here, boy. And so we go over to the first Secret Service, you know, guard shack, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I look at the, you know, I look at the uh, uniform Secret Service agent. This is like one of the, you know, posts on the outskirts of the White House. And I go, you know, excuse me, uh, uh, officer, I'm here with my son with the protest, and uh, I was kind of expl- educational experience for the boy. I've been explaining to him that you know, government's organized crime, <laughs> and he doesn't seem to think that you guys know that this is organized crime. <laughs> and so I was kind of hoping that you would uh, elucidate my son as to what's going on. And the guy gets this big smile on his face and he goes, well, I can't say anything as he's, <laughs> wink, winking, he's yeah, winking okay. at my son. And so <laughs> so I say, you know, are you, you, do you see? And he's like, yeah, dad, he's winking, but I don't, you know, does that mean that he, and I got that he didn't get it because he was 11, uh-huh, you know, right. and so we, I'm like, all right, come on, we go to the next one and we start rotating around oh, to these wow. guard shacks and some of them uh, wouldn't talk to us at all, and sure. some of, but some of them were like, yeah, we know it's, well, actually there was a white hat, that was, sorry, the, the, the best response was the Washington police, yeah, we know it's organized crime, what do you want us to do about it? <laughs> and so after four or five of those, I, it just dawns on me, whole, you know, because you look, even the ones that wouldn't talk to, you know, wouldn't respond or wouldn't talk to anything, you could just look in their eyes and you could tell that they knew this was mm-hmm. organized crime. And so um, I... I, it just dawned, like, oh, my God, they all know it's organized crime. And so now I kind of change up my tactics and I begin going from, you know, guard post to police officer. And I say, hey, 
Um, I know, uh, and by the way, there's a full-scale riot going on. So now all the veterans have like arrived behind us. They're throwing all of these, you know, barricades in a roll. They've got the Secret Service surrounded up against the fences. They've got snipers deployed on the, you know, the roof of the White House that they make visible. There was another sniper team at the base of the White House leaning on their gun bags, kind of like looking, Mm -hmm. you know, menacing, you know, trying to menace the crowd. And so now I switch it up and I start going around. I say, hey, guys. Um, I've been talking to all these different guard posts, and all you guys know that this is organized crime. Today is the day to do something about it. You've got the army here. Um, uh, you could be the new founding fathers. Um, you've got the place surrounded. You've got all the guns. You're law enforcement. You're expected to do something about it. Who do we got to talk to to get it on? And and you could see they're kind of looking at it. They're like thinking about it. He's like, well, that's my boss over there. You know, he's the instant commander. And I go running over to the, like, you know, to, right over the instant commander. And I'm like, sir, I understand you're, and he's like in the middle. Of, I'm like, I understand that you're instant commander. I go, I've talked to all these different guard posts. They all know that this is organized crime. Why don't we uh, do something about it? Who, who's the, who do the, who are the leaders that we've got to kind of like get on board to get this thing done? And he's like, well, that's my boss over there. So I go over, you know, start talking and I just start rotating around all these different officers. And you would be surprised. Like I got a kind of a good vibe off some of them. Like, you know, they knew it was organized crime. They want to do something. They were literally thinking about it. The army is like shaking the gates of the White House. Like we got the military here to do something about it. And they're all pissed. And so uh, it, it, it eventually, by the way, this truck thing rolls up this there had another event called the truckers ride to the constitution and so all these trucks pull up and just as i thought we were going to do something that they all you know they all pull pull aside um one final kind of event so after i realized that i'm standing in front of one of the gates of the white house with secret service like like lined up you know against the gate and so i'm standing up in front of the secret service where they can absolutely positively hear me in front and talking to the entire crowd and i'm like I've talked to all of these Secret Service agents and Park Police agents. They all know that this is organized crime. They just need to know that you know that it's organized crime and you want them to do something. And people in the crowd are going, they don't know anything. They're stupid. They're too dumb to know that it's organized crime. And I'm like, no, they all know that this is organized crime. We can, you know, let's get them on our side. Let's yeah, tell but them. but it puts money in their pocket. You know, to a certain degree, but, uh, you know, I honestly think that there are probably some good people that got into it for the right reason. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah they I got into it true. for the right reason. And the question is, do the good people outnumber the bad people? And they've got to see the pain and the destruction and the murders Ultimately, and the Ultimately, they didn't bombing. take your suggestion, though. Uh, <laughs> they, that, didn't over, they didn't flip. Uh, but, Hold on. We're going to continue here in a moment. This is leading to where you're going next, right? Whatever the event is that's coming up. Come. Divi is crypto made easy. Anyone can use Divi to securely and seamlessly spend, earn, store, or exchange digital money, the U.S. dollar, and euros. Divi is fast. Transactions happen in seconds with fewer fees. While other altcoins are languishing, the Divi price has risen substantially against BTC. Now's the time to make a switch to Divi or make your start with cryptocurrency with Divi. Visit DiviProject.org. Divi is crypto made easy. Plus one click master notes, DiviProject.org. Again, DiviProject.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want here. The toll free number is 855 450 free like freedom. That's 855 450 3733. We also have the Discord call in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. In fact, there are a couple folks. 
on those Discord lines. We're going to get to your calls and thoughts. You can bring up anything, and then we will continue the story about the non-aggression principle, a critique of said principle coming up here. Uh, we'll, we'll, there's two more points, I think. I think the we, next one is better than the last one, I will say that. Okay, we'll know, get into that. Uh, and uh, it's Ian Johnson and Etienne here. Etienne, you were telling us about, uh, well, you took us back to 2013 mm-hmm. where you and your sons were in D.C. There was a march by some veterans that was causing a, a bit of a ruckus. You confronted several uh, agents of the state it's the uh, Secret Service, and you confronted Uniform Secret Service. Par- some of them were Park Police. Some of them were Washington D.C. Metro Police. And you confronted them about the, uh, you know, the criminality of the the government, and basically saying, "Hey, isn't this organized crime? Shouldn't you do something about it?" And while it looked like they might have agreed with you. They didn't do anything about it, but that was kind of where you left the story off. Was yeah. So once these truckers pull off, the the you know the rally kind of dissipated. But it, you know, it struck me that even though we didn't do it that day, uh, that I learned the biggest secret of the Secret Service, and that is that they all know that this is organized crime. Mm-hmm. And I got you know I got some good vibes from some of them, and it in you know I got some evil bo- vibes from some of them as well, but the good vibes seemed to outnumber the evil vibes. And you could tell that they felt, I I felt like they felt bad about, you know, the fact that they knew it was organized crime and can do anything. Um, And so it just struck me, I've got like a little bit of a new solution for Liberty instead of, you know, going to Washington DC and protesting or, you know, or, or um, arguing about like football issues. Why don't we go and talk to the Secret Service and the Park Police and begin, you know, socializing with them that, hey, we know that you guys know this is organized crime. We support you to do something about it. And so I've put together something that I call Citizens Arrest 2020. And so the the original okay. the original uh, Veterans March on the Memorials was October 13th, 2013. Uh, this coming up Sunday is the... Uh, sixth anniversary of the veterans march on the memorials okay and so i'm going back i'll be down there from 12 o'clock until two o'clock we're going to meet at the uh, world war ii memorial i've got a facebook uh event uh facebook face i know fed book uh i've got a fed book event but but also i'm just that's telling, by the way one of the other things liberty. you don't have menu to menu does liberty.menu you can put events on there anyway i'm, go I'm gonna do i'm gonna make a liberty.menu event nice. as well but the the point of it is, is, you know, I'm going to go down there from uh, 12 uh, to 2 and I'm just going to switch up my tactics and I'm going to begin building the case with uh, the Uniform Secret Service, the Park Police. Hey, this is organized crime. I've got the, you know, my flash drive, the Liberator, which has eight gigabits of evidence of government criminality. Uh, it's got my book on it for free. And begin explaining, hey, this is the, you know, this is the organized crime system. And I think if we go back, uh, I'm going to see if I can build some momentum for it, you know, on the honor about the 13th of every month, just see people, you know, go to D.C. and begin educating people. And 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 when the seventh uh, and the seventh uh, anniversary in October 13th, 2020, if we've done our job correctly, then maybe there's enough people and maybe we've built enough support that they just open the doors. We peacefully, you know, walk in, take over, arrest these, you know, whoever the, whoever the you know, the criminals are. And then we and never have another election files. and the federal government is dissolved. 
Uh, so, you know, we're going to make some suggestions on a peaceful and orderly dissolution of the federal government, mm-hmm. which really has to happen. I mean, so the yeah. so the uh, the. The, um, Bring in Adam Kokesh. I hear he wants to help with that. It's a great idea. Yeah. It no, is, it's a great idea. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Adam Kokesh is the right guy to do it. But if yeah. the LP really wanted to win election, they would put somebody up there that had the courage to say, "Hey, this is uh, this is an organized crime system. This is uh, right. it's not legitimate. You can't delegate rights you don't have yourself. You can't be bound by a contract. So we need to begin to roll it back." Um, because it's the only way to have, uh, I think that this way that, that it can possibly win, you know, end, uh, well, because the path that we're on right now goes to economic collapse and boxcars. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with education, which Mm -hmm. is certainly what you're talking about doing is educating people, handing out the copies of your book in Mm -hmm. digital form. I think that's a, that's a great idea. I don't think it can hurt to do that stuff. It's just, I don't believe there's any hope for DC. I I think that, you know, the only way out of this is by getting out of the union secession, for instance, having New Hampshire, uh, just completely say, leave it behind. That's the other thing I'm working on with the pre-state project. Oh my God. I want to talk about that too, but let's go to the phones here because we've got, uh, we got folks that have been waiting patiently to get on the air with us. So let's talk first to mouth breathing dullard he's on our uh, discord line you're on free talk live etienne i took a morality and ethics class at state university and had to study every everybody from Locke to mill to Kant to montesquieu to rawls and of course to work and can't remember anybody named etienne but any self-respecting logic 101 teacher professor would tell you that keep repeating organized crime it doesn't make it so any more than Cantwell is a government agent or whatever you call them. He's a controlled opposition. He's just white. He's just all white trash who's monetized Stefan Molyneux's uh, theories on his radical agenda show. So if That's government is, isn't but, organized crime, what is it then? But I wanted to, uh, I wanted to repeat the point, try to finish the point about any self-respecting prof- logic 101 professor would tell you that uh, arguments based on anecdote and appeal to authority on a video cam are just dumb, 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 and doesn't make it so any more than our government is an organized crime family or that 9-11 is an inside nut job like you are. And the Libertarian Party will never, ever win in the ballot box well, we got clowns like you traveling the country in RV, making our party look like a bunch of fools. Your party. That is party. an argument. <laughs> an anecdote. That's a fact. You're an absolute idiot. All right. And I well, should let you know the Southwest. Uh, Thanks for the call tonight. Have another one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was actually on his yeah, best behavior. Tea. That was actually some of the, the his best behavior. Normally, he yeah. just like lashes out and and not just insults, but well, a, he usually dials it up. He, you know, he he waits until he knows the person. He feels like he knows the person before he starts to dial up. I the wish insults. he would have answered the he, question. He tends to be polite with new people. It's it's a yeah. weird. He's got a weird. Uh, that was know, polite. Co- a weird <laughs> for code him? for him. It was. It was. He has this yeah. weird. He has a weird personal code, and uh, that's the only thing that you. Can can respect about him because he can't he can't even seem to follow that code uh very often because he gets too drunk to follow it i wish i wish he would have answered the question i'd asked him about well if it's not organized crime then what is it what else could it possibly be 
It's right. not some sort so, of civic so, organization. So, so, so crime or you know criminals are people that use violence, extortion, right. uh, lies on other people, Threats. and they seem to be organized. And so right. I don't understand how right. that doesn't meet the definition of organized crime. Not only are they organized crime, they're the most successful organized crime on the planet. And they're so successful that they can afford a multi-trillion dollar propaganda and indoctrination system that include that it takes children when they're young, puts them into the mandatory government school and teaches them that it's OK to use violence and extortion when the government does it. And this flaw and, and then because the children never learn real morality, they never learn real ethics, uh, they become intellectually and morally crippled to not be able to realize right what is right in front of their face and the illegitimacy and the illogic and the immorality of the entire system. Olivia in Arizona, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, Ian, Etienne and Johnson. Um you know, you gave me an idea about the whole letting drunk people drive. I think this would be a great idea to have an extra lane for bad drivers. Where <laughs> just stay away from those people. That's everyone yeah, other than me, though. <laughs> Hold on, Olivia. We'll bring you back here in just a moment. Stand by. Uh, we'll continue with Olivia. The bad driver lanes. Interesting idea. The toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. And that's the kind of thing that could come out of a marketplace, right? Like market <laughs> innovation, new ideas. We don't get that out of government roads ever. 855-450-3733. You can join us on Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You may dial the toll-free number here. And get in in the remaining moments. Enough time for you if you got on the phones right now. 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE like freedom or call on our Discord call-in line rooms. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Johnson. Etienne de la Boise Squared. Etienne's book is Understanding Our Slavery. His website, understandingourslavery.com. Johnson's website, libertyminded.com. You, you were just showing Etienne some of your T-shirt mm. designs, one of which you are wearing tonight. That's Super right. cool uh, T-shirts. Really good stuff. Uh, great libertarian, liberty-minded, principled shirts. Uh, you can get some, you know, really offensive. Definitely gonna <laughs> get, definitely gonna One get somebody that might talking. Get you, uh, yeah. you know, like beaten by somebody who loves cops others are more subtle and intellectual so you get the whole range there's some crypto shirts and the official free talk live gear is available through libertyminded.com so get on over there and uh tis the season for free talk live hoodies that's right uh and i may be uh dropping the price again here in the near future so oh don't tease come up so don't tease <laughs> you will drop just go, just go ahead and say you're gonna do a holiday sale or something yeah, right coming that's up true yes. okay all right cool well let us know when you're ready to uh, to announce that we'll, we'll get the word out the only problem with teasing about things like that johnson is you make it so people will put off going and buy they're, you know if they're expecting a sale to come up now they're well, like well i won't go today and buy i mean I'll, there's a sale going on right now so ah, okay <laughs> so get on over at the very least get over and check out the the, uh, the cool products at libertyminded.com and yes you can pay with crypto that's a bunch right. of them. That's right. Right. Whatever your favorite crypto and, is. And is if a good there's chance. any better incentive to go and uh, spend now, right? It's that uh, you know the crypto could change in value, right? It's true. So. <laughs> it's true. Hey, let's go back to Olivia. She is on the line with us here. Uh, you're back on Free Talk Live, calling from Arizona. Go ahead, Olivia. Hey, actually, Johnson, could I suggest a product? Because I do have a ton of T-shirts. You know, what would be cool patches 
Like if I could just I want to attach do onto a shirt I already have, that would be really cool. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that is a product that, that I've long wanted. I mean, but but specifically, what are you looking for? Free Talk Live patches, or are you looking for <laughs> just in general? I think in general, like you're cool. You have really good slogans. So like I just want to stick them on different things. You know, like bags or I don't mm-hmm. know. I just. Can you do one-off patches? Because I know a lot of the If I could, I would be going nuts with it. Yeah, uh, I don't think you can do that. It's much harder to do. Yeah, I I have to make the investment in patches. But patches are one of those things where you can get, you know, some made and they're not going to take up a bunch of space. And you don't have different sizes. My existing problem is that, and this is why I'm willing to unload them for very little money at this point, is I have hoodies coming out of my ears. (laughs) <laughs> that and sounds it's just, uncomfortable. It's, it's it's just hurting my business because I ha- I went and I ordered all these hoodies and uh, over a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, and they just had these hoodies, and I ordered a bunch because I'm like, oh, I just need two of every size. Well, it turns out that having like two to five of every size of a hoodie, you have you know I don't have a lot of room. Yeah, you know I yeah. don't have a storefront, so just, or a warehouse. Yeah, or it's a your warehouse apartment or, or your, your condo. Yeah, it's my condo. I've got a, I've got a large. Admittedly, I've got a large closet, and I've you know put shelves in there, and and I'm packing these things down as much as i can but it's like they're still hoodies. the inventory must go <laughs> yeah it must go so that i can make room to actually build a, a variety business here so go. yeah i'd like to build my business and i'd like to get rid of these dang hoodies olivia thank you for the suggestion anything you need, else you want to oh, share i was yeah i was gonna say you need some of those vacuum bags you know stick them in those vacuum bags suck out the air but uh yeah oh i was gonna ask real quick um I, you know I support libertarianism and voluntarism to the hilt, but I did kind of wonder, like, you know how you said arbitration would replace the courts? I think that is a brilliant idea, but how would you make sure that people showed up to arbitration without using force? I, I'll, let me throw that in. So um, uh, the I found the biggest flaw in my book is I do a great job of exp- exposing, uh, you know, how organized crime runs the government and the media, but I found that the the People are like, oh, yeah, but we just have to have government. So I'm in the process of writing a new book called Voluntarism, and I'm looking – I've Sweet. just been taking a look at the problems of the courts. And you know, uh, with arbitration, really the question is how do you get people to enforce contracts? And so there's a variety of different ways that you can get people to enforce contracts from escrow to insurance – uh, to reputation. Mm. But at the end of the day, people are either going to uh, keep their commitments or they're not going to keep their commitments. And so uh, if they don't keep their commitments, it's, you know, it's um, uh, uh, any of those solutions that I just provided. Um, but eventually, you know, because people have to do business in uh, the marketplace, um, People want to, you know, their livelihood depends in many cases on their reputation. And so if it it really, you know, they're really, they're really making a big um, gamble on future income by not. um, If they don't show up to the the hearing or the arbitration hearing, then their reputation gets damaged and that could harm their ability to get work in the future or start their own business or uh, interact with anybody who doesn't want to do business with the disreputable, right? Right. And that does, by the way, that doesn't mean that you're going to have utopia and people are always going to do it. But at the same extent, um, in the existing system, just because you have a mandated government court, they still is no, you know, um, uh, guarantee that they're going to show up or be right. able to. If someone wants to be an outlaw, they're going to be an outlaw. They're going to be an outlaw. And they're going to take whatever the consequences are of that. And as a business owner 
or somebody who enters into contracts with people, you'll want to make sure you're not dealing with those people. You want to check their reputation, which means identity will be an important thing in this in this marketplace that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Those who aren't willing to, you know, uh, connect themselves to some form of history or past should be treated as an unknown. Mm. And, uh, you know, that means they won't get the best interest rates. It means they won't get the uh, the best apartments to rent. It, it means, you know, all kinds of consequences. And caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware. And so people that have name brand reputations you do business with. and There's a great book. And thank you, Olivia, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you uh, that I read a long time ago called The Market for Liberty that really goes into some detail. And I suspect you're going to cover some of the same uh, ground in in the book you're writing. Uh, Morris and Linda Tannehill were the authors of that book. I thought it was so great because for me, it really helped me kind of grasp how the the question or the answer to the question that Olivia is asking about, well, how would the marketplace handle courts and justice? Because it's easy for small government people to say, well, we only need the government to do courts and justice and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, what if we got the marketplace doing those things? What would that actually mean? And they wrote the book in the 70s before we had an Internet, before we had the ability to move information in an instant. And they really had some, I would say, visionary uh, ability to predict these things that we're talking about here that that could come to play. If you haven't checked that one out, Etienne, you really ought to. It's it's a good one. Took a mental note. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know how much time we have. Not much. But, uh, uh, the, the next argument on that, uh, oh yes. You know, this, this, uh, you know, attack on the nap, the I critique think was, against the non-aggression a good one, principle. one that bothers me. And I mean, I know we aren't going to be able to get to all of them. Maybe we can cover this one. I don't know. It's, okay. uh, the, the next one here is no prohibition of fraud. Libertarians usually say that violence may legitimately be used to prevent either force or fraud, but according to the non-aggression principle, the only legitimate use of force is to prevent or punish the initiatory use of uh, physical violence by others. And fraud is not physical violence. If mm-hmm. I tell you that the painting you want to buy is a genuine Renoir and it's not, I have to physically, I have not physically aggressed against you, but if you buy it, you find out it's fake and then send police or your protective agency over to my house to get your money back, then you are aggressing against me so it does not so not only does a prohibition on fraud not allow you not follow from the nap uh not aggression principle it is not even compatible with it since the use of force to prohibit fraud itself constitutes the initiation of physical violence and the reason why i think this one is better is only because uh this is one that's always bothered me about uh a lot of libertarianism in general or libertarians who don't seem to have any problem with fraud and i don't think of individual instances of fraud like in other words i have no problem with caveat emptor what mm-hmm. i have problem with is indoctrination um, from, Meaning what? From childhood, and I think that 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 as though that's fraud. You mean like yeah, lying no, to a child? Yeah, I yeah. think lying to a child and indoctrinating a child is fraud, and that's how we have the state of society that we have now. Sure, yeah, right? we talked we talk a lot it's about systematic that fraud, and I think that it's uh, true of statism, and I think it's true of religion, and I think that they are. But one is the same, it fraud right? so, if the person believes the thing? If you have somebody who believes in witchcraft or believes, well, that's like in, just saying, well, then indoctrination is all well and good. Well, from their perspective, it is. I right. mean, from our perspective, it's not. From their perspective, they're talking about in a lot of cases what they truly believe in the people who are teaching the state to students don't disbelieve in the state and are lying to the kids about it like they do with santa claus right like santa claus is straight up fraud uh but or it's a lie at least the children aren't defrauded out of anything beyond their belief system uh which could be damaging but beyond that my point is the teachers believe this stuff 
They're not telling a lie. They're not purposefully misdirecting. They're just passing on their religious beliefs to somebody. And this is an interesting discussion. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get deeper into it. Uh, We can (laughs) continue tomorrow night. Join us online. In the meantime, you can do that at freetalklive.com. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash local.bitcoin.com business owners you want more customers accept cryptocurrencies there's people all around you just waiting to spend money at your store if only you would take it i know you've been waiting till someone else makes it easy well good news help me take bitcoin.com adds bitcoin to your point of sale totally free use the same equipment you already have now with bitcoin and unlike credit cards there's no fees let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers to your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com.